Now we're going to wrap up today a series of messages that we began several weeks ago called Designed for Destiny. And we're talking about what the Bible has to say about how God put us together. How God intentionally, specifically, carefully arranged your life for his purposes. You are a person of destiny. No passage of scripture describes this better than Psalm 139 verses 13 and 16 where it says, For you, God, formed my inward parts. You covered me in my mother's womb. Your eyes saw my substance being yet unformed. And in your book they all were written, the days fashioned for me, when as yet there were none of them. You are not a random happenstance. Regardless of your, uh, your life's circumstances, regardless of the conditions of your uh, biological parents, their relationship to each other, uh, whether you were quote, quote, intended or not, none of that matters as far as God is concerned. You are the focus of his attention. In fact, I was reading just this past week in John chapter 1 and verse 16, excuse me, verse 17. It says, and of his fullness we have all received. And grace for grace. The reason that hit me so hard this week is because I was sitting in, in the airport getting ready to go up to Portland to take care of my grandson and uh, working on, the, on my computer and it was uh, the bandwidth or the Wi-Fi network in the airport was really, really slow, as you can imagine. And I got so frustrated, I finally just quit. And I was sitting there kind of stewing in that. And then I realized, well, you know, what can you expect? Look at all these people here. And they're all on this network all at the same time. Of course, there's not going to be enough bandwidth to cover all these users. So, you know, I kind of just let it go. But then my next thought was, well, you know, I think I think about God like that sometimes that there's so many of us that God's attention his focus is divided among us all and so all of us just get some sort of degraded amount of his attention but then I remember John 1 17 and of his fullness we have all received that's true for you it's true for me. It's true for every single one of us. He, we have his full attention. So he has plans for you, dear one. And you are not a mistake. You are not a random happenstance, as I've just said. And we've been talking about what the Bible has to say about some of the ways God has put us together. And there are a, a number of components to the things that make you you including things like talents and experiences and on and on there's a bunch of things but more important than all of that are God's gifts and the Bible describes something called spiritual gifts spiritual gifts God's divine deposits in your life that make you the unique person that he has intended you to be and so we've been talking about how I believe that there are three types of spiritual gifts. And I just emphasized I believe because, as I've told you and said from the beginning, I hold a minority view. 
So I told you from the very start of this uh, series, you don't have to agree with me about this. The majority viewpoint on spiritual gifts is that there's just one big vat of God's uh, uh, giftings, and there are partial lists of these gifts found in, found in Romans chapter 12, Ephesians chapter 4, and 1 Corinthians chapter 12, and also a couple of other places. And they what they're doing is giving us a glimpse inside of this big vat of giftings that God has that he deposits in our lives kind of, uh, I don't, not randomly, purposefully, but they're all seen as one, one thing called spiritual gifts. I believe that the Bible, and by the way, let me just say it again, I've said this before, uh, I didn't get this on my own, I didn't make this up, there are plenty of really uh, devoted, smart theologians who believe the same way that I do about this, but it is the minority view. But I believe that there are three types of spiritual gifts. It's not just one big, big uh, ball of spiritual gifts. And 1 Corinthians chapter 12, 4 through 6 uh, is my launching pad for this, where it says, there are diversities of gifts, but the same spirit. There are differences of ministries, but the same Lord. And there are diversities of activities, but it is the same God who works all in all. And I believe that that's a reference to three types of spiritual gifts. First, the gifts of the Father found in Romans chapter 12 that form your perspective on life, the angle from which you come at life. And that I believe that these gifts are given to everyone when they are born, that every person coming uh, into this world, the Father God who was hovering over them in their mother's womb and recording their days when they didn't yet have any, that same God was giving them a unique perspective on life. And these are those gifts. And then there's uh, the gifts of the Son found in Ephesians chapter 4. And these are are given when a person comes to faith in Christ and beginning at that point there's a, a passion for ministry that begins to develop and that they, these gifts refer to five arenas or five um, aspects of what God is doing in the world today that he begins to give us a passion for. None of us can do this all. But when we all do what we have been impassioned to do in service to Jesus, the work gets done. So that's the gifts of the Son. And then there's the gifts of the Spirit found in 1 Corinthians 12, verses 7 to 11. And these gifts are the power tools that we need to be able to fulfill the ministry God has, ministries God has given us a passion for. The gifts of the Spirit are like a toolkit. You get the whole package. It's supernatural enablings to fulfill the ministries God has given you a passion for. So that's our quick review. Maybe not so quick, but that's our, our review. Today we're going to focus on the passion gifts found in Ephesians 4 where I asked you to turn. I'm going to read it, verse 7. But to each one of us, grace was given according to the measure of Christ's gift. <clears throat> So remember that these, right, this verse is telling us that these gifts that we're going to read about are the result of Christ's gifts, the gifts of the Son. Verse 11, And he himself gave some to be apostles, some prophets, some evangelists, and some pastors and teachers for the equipping of the saints for the work of ministry, for the edifying of the body of Christ. Now, <clears throat> I... 
I'm going to try to uh, show you in a graphic form something that I might otherwise have a little trouble explaining. So bear with my little stick figures up here on the screen. Imagine all of these folks here are us, the church, the body of Christ, the believers, the people that this passage we just read refers to as saints. And by the way, in case you would not know, when we read that that word saints for the equipping of the saints in verse 12, it's not uh, talking about saints as um, the Roman Catholic Church would uh, designate someone. It's a reference to all of us. That's a good thing, right? Turn to somebody near you and say, you're a saint. That's a good thing to know, right? All right. So these are the saints. This is us. This is all of us. Now, the predominant view is that this, uh, th these gifts here found in Ephesians chapter 4 are the office gifts. That's kind of a weird way to describe it, but that's the word that theologians use, office gifts. And what it means is that there are some who have been called out to be apostles, some prophets, some evangelists, some pastors, and some teachers. And that this subset of the whole church, this smaller group of people, they are uh, tasked with uh, equipping the rest of us to do the work of the ministry. Now let me just stop right here before I go any further and say I believe that this is a, a completely valid view, viewpoint. I told you before that there are some things that are, you, you don't get to mess with. There are some things uh, in the scriptures that are just rock solid. You don't, you don't toy with it. There are some things, though, however, where they, there's room for some differences of opinion. And, I, and this is one of those that I think is, is a place where you could... I, I have a little different opinion, and you can judge for yourself whether it's uh, what you would um, view, believe or not. But anyway, the, the office gift idea is that there's this small subset of people we call apostles, prophets, evangelists, pastors, and teachers, and that they equip the rest of us to do the work of the ministry. Now, <clears throat> I, when I read Ephesians 4, verses 11 and 12... I don't see that there. I think you can read it that way, but if I were a believer in the Ephesian church and uh, Paul's letter came to us and somebody read it to us, I wouldn't hear it this way. So I, that's one problem that I have. I'll explain to you how I would have heard it if I was there. And then my other problem is it doesn't make sense to me. It doesn't make sense to me that God would be able to equip a handful of people in these in these callings call you know and give the 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 callings that are required for for these giftings to a handful of people but then he couldn't do that for the rest of us it doesn't make sense to me uh, what's what what are the qualifiers for you know why are, are they just picked at random uh, is it because they're smarter than the rest of us or uh, more spiritual it just doesn't, it doesn't seem to line up for me. It doesn't seem to match what I see in the scriptures. So, but as I said, I think this is a valid viewpoint. As long as we don't see these people as a hierarchy, which is often the case where, you know, you got the pastor and he has his own parking spot and his own chair in the front row and, you know, all of that kind of stuff. 
uh, or the you know evangelist that uh, comes in from time to time and everybody is ooh and ah over this great speaker and whatnot. Um, as long as we don't have that notion, as long as we see them as equippers, then I'm, I'm okay with that. But it doesn't seem to go far enough for me. I think when it says, verse 11, and he, gave, and he himself, Jesus, gave some to be apostles, some prophets, some evangelists, some pastors and teachers, I think he's talking about the whole bunch of us. That out of all of us some, of us, some have been given to be apostles, some prophets, some evangelists, some pastors and teachers for the equipping of the saints. That, that act in of itself of, of calling us in these varieties of ways causes the saints to be equipped for the work of the ministry and for the building up or edifying of the body of Christ. So that's what makes more sense to me. And more importantly, that's what I think the scriptures indicate. So I'm going to go, um, you know, like I said, you don't have to agree with me. We're, you're, you're totally welcome to uh, your own opinion on this, but there you have it. And I'm going to go uh, now forward to talk about these five ministry callings or ministry passions based on that understanding. Okay, so let's talk about apostleship. Now, nobody in their right mind is going to claim to be an apostle, right? Because we think Peter, James, John, Apostle Paul. You know, we, we, we aren't going to do that. But I believe, now the word apostle simply means one who has been sent with full power of attorney or full, the full authority to act on behalf of the one who sent them. That's all of us, dear ones. That's what the Bible clearly says. Jesus taught us that he was sending us with full authority to represent him in this world. So in one sense, all of us are apostles. Yes, there were the apostles, just as there were the disciples. But all of us are disciples, and in one sense, all of us are apostles. But I believe that there is a calling a ministry passion that begins to rise in a certain amount of the people of God to focus on the ministry of apostleship. Now, what is that? Well, it's the, I use the term visionaries. It's the ones who keep in, in their folk minds and hearts focus the vision of the whole world. These are people, when you start talking about missions, their heart beats faster. When you start talking about the global church, they're all over that. They, when you converse with them about the church, they don't think about this local congregation. They think about the church of Jesus Christ. I have a friend, he's deceased now, but he was a missionary. And, you know, from the day I met him, he was just chomping at the bit to get to the mission field and end up spending his whole life there, raised his family there, and was used by God in a powerful way, became a, 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 a regional director for a big mission organization, in, primarily in Asia. But, you know, he was happiest when he was traveling from country to country and just getting his arms around the whole church, right? He was always stretching to to. to um, hold more of what God is doing in this world. When I would have conversations, as a pastor, you know, I'll talk about what that is in a minute. As a pastor, he and I would have these conversations. We'd be talking about church, and I'd be thinking about you guys. 
I'd be thinking about the platform setup and, you know, laundry love and, you know, stuff like that. He's thinking about the global church. And so sometimes our conversations <laughs> wouldn't go so well. <laughs> but th this is such an important ministry. And some of you, some of you have this, mis this ministry passion. Don't, uh, don't count yourself out because of that scary word, apostleship. Okay? Prophecy. Now, this is not necessarily someone who's giving words of prophecy, and I won't go into what that means, but this is, I call these people the vanguard. The vanguard is the leading edge of a military force. They're the ones who engage the enemy first. They're on the front lines. And so people who have a ministry passion for prophecy are the ones who, they get up every day and they want to know what God is saying. What is God saying today? What's he up to today? And how can we be involved in it? How can I get involved with what God is doing today? Now, God is the same yesterday, today, and forever. The Bible says that. But he's also, his mercies are new every morning. And he is always fresh. He, there are waves of his, doing, of his movement in, the, in his body and in the world that are kind of uh, changing from time to time. And the, the prophets among us, they are passionate about always being where God is, doing what God is doing now. I'll give you an example. Last um, summer, when our leadership got together, we were talking about the the, not this past summer, I'm sorry, uh, summer 2015. We were talking about what the Lord would want us to do in the coming year in terms of focus. And one of the things we felt like the Lord was saying to us is that we were to become a praying church. Well, <clears throat> it turns out that there was just kind of a wave of, imp, uh, of, um, uh, of, well, it seemed like God was moving throughout his church in the United States and then beyond the world with this theme. It was a, a prayer movement. It was an emphasis that God was bringing to his church. Not that prayer hasn't always been important, but there are times when for reasons that are God's alone, he is emphasizing certain things. And there were those who were catching, it's like they have a sail that catches the wind of what God is doing in a particular season and the rest of us can hitch a ride on that. And so there are people among us who have that ministry calling, ministry passion to have their, their finger in the wind. What, which, which direction is God blowing right now? How can, I, how can I be involved in that? And then there's evangelism or evangelists. I call these people the witnesses. All of us are called to be witnesses. That's clear as a bell. Jesus said that he has sent us to be his witnesses in the world. And when Paul, the apostle, was speaking to his son in the faith, Timothy, who was a pastor, he said to him, do the work of an evangelist, even though he was primarily a pastor. So none of us get to say, oh, well, I don't have to do that. I am one of these other guys, right? But there are some of us who have this passion for seeing people saved, for sharing the gospel, my wife is one of those. When her feet hit the floor in the morning, she's already thinking about the people she's going to meet and the people she's going to interact with that she'll get to share Jesus with. And it never occurs to her, not for one moment, 
that they wouldn't want to hear the gospel. Now for me, it's like the other, I always think, I always think oh, they won't want to hear this. They're, they, they'll think I'm nuts. They're going to write me off as some oddball character. That never crosses her mind because she's so passionate about people getting to know Jesus. And the funny thing is that when she shares the gospel with people, people do want to hear. Me, not so much. Her, yes, they want to hear. I have a friend who is like, to me, if you were going to uh, pick the poster child for the evangelist. I have a friend, you've met him, Bobby Chance, who is a, he is this personified. This actually happened. I took him to uh, Pier 39 in San Francisco. We were just going to spend the day uh, in the city. And so we're walking down, you know how it is there. It's just crowds of people everywhere. We're walking down Pier 39 my friend Bobby Chance starts doing this. Jesus is the answer for the world today. Above him there's no other. And I'm like, really? Come on. Hey. But you know what? I noticed something. Now, if I had done that, people would have been calling the security guards. It would have been a bad scene. Him? He gathered a crowd. <laughs> they could see this guy has something that he's passionate about, and they, and they were drawn to that. And he just naturally, as can be, shares the gospel with them. I don't know how that works, but I'm thankful that doesn't mean I don't get to be an evangelist too. I am called, as we all are, to do the work of an evangelist. But I'm grateful for those who have that ministry passion. And then there are those who, like me, have a ministry passion as a shepherd, a pastor. Now, <clears throat> uh, I don't want to make this you know, too much about me, but man, this is me through and through. As long as I've known Jesus, ever since I came to faith in Christ, there's been this growing passion to want to care for the people of God. You know, I, 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 I'm choking up right now thinking about it. This is just, this is my life. I, I am concerned for you. I want always to get you in some big, you know, group hug, you know, and, and make sure everybody's okay and doing well. And I, I want to make sure you're well fed and nourished, that you're, you're prayed for and covered and defended and all that kind of thing. And there are some of you, you don't have a pulpit that you stand behind, but you are a pastor, you're a shepherd, you have a flock of people, maybe small, maybe large, but you have people that God has given you and your heart is towards them. You, you, want, you have that same passion to care for them. And you don't mind picking through the wool to find the, the ticks and, and bugs. You, know, you don't mind carrying them on your shoulders when they're wounded. You don't mind those things. In fact, it's, turn, it's, it's the thing that you love. That's, that's the shepherd. That's the pastor. And then there's the teachers or the, teacher, the teaching gift. I call them the theologians. Not because they're going to be, you know, uh, seminary professors but because they are deeply devoted to God's word and 
are the ones, they're the ones who, I won't point you out, but they're the ones of you who are sitting out there right now like this. <laughs> Scrutinizing every word and making sure that, that we are always being uh, fed a sound doctrine, right? Thank God for you. Because uh, the, the rest of us, we could be off on never, you know, off in uh, Neverland if, if pretty quickly if it wasn't for those anchors, those people who are devoted to the Word of God and making sure that it's handled well among the people of God. I think that when we find our uh, f find our place in this in these passions, that the church, the saints, are equipped. And the church does its job. This is recording number 11232 from the teaching ministry of Crossroads Foursquare Church in Fairfield, California. It was recorded on Sunday morning, October 9, 2016. This is the fifth message in a series titled, Design for Destiny. This message by Randy Bolt is titled, Your Passion.